A common question today uh, that a lot of people have on their mind, and a lot of people even ask, uh, what's wrong with America? People, what's wrong with America today? When, when you think about all the uh, moral problems that we have and the ethical problems that we have, and, and of course we could go, we could name a lot of things that, that, that we think are wrong with America. And, and the, I guess the biggest concern is not necessarily what's wrong. We can kind of look and see what's wrong, but, but why? Why has America gotten to this point? And uh, I want to, and I say that to remind us um, that the same thing is wrong with America that was wrong with the Israelites in the book of Judges. That's, that's why my lesson's going to be titled Three Practical Lessons from Judges. And now, make no mistake, I'm not trying to say that America has ever been in the, uh, America as a nation has ever been in a covenant relationship with God. I'm not trying to go that far. I'm not saying that America is God's chosen nation. I'm not, uh, I'm just saying there are some practical lessons uh, that we can learn from the Israelites in the book of Judges that we can say that we can relate to America today. And so in the book of Judges, uh, which we're going to primarily be in, uh, we're going to see that there were three primary mistakes that the Israelites constantly made in Judges. And when I say constantly made, it was over and over and over. You know, we see this constant cycle in the book of Judges. Um, so it's not like, well, I made a mistake here and then they repented. Well, they made the mistake again and again and again. So we're going to go through uh, somewhat in the book of Judges and we're going to see uh, what these mistakes were. And we're going to see, uh, again, we can make a, 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 an application uh, is what we can make to America. Uh, the first mistake, the first primary mistake that the Israelites constantly made in Judges was that they did not obey God. They did not obey God. If you look in Joshua chapter 23 and verses 4 through 13, and don't worry, I'm not going to read that whole section to you, but I, I do want to point out a few things from that section that is applicable to our lesson in Judges. Uh, particularly when I, when I make the point they did not obey God. In Joshua 23 and 4 through 13, we see in verses 4 and 5 that God was willing to drive out these idolatrous nations for the Israelites as long as they were willing to be obedient to him and to do their part. And then also God reminds them in, in verses 6 through 8 that God warned them uh, God warned them of the dangers of forsaking his commandments. In other words, this is what's going to happen if you forsake my commandments. And then in verses 9 and 10, uh, we see that the people knew well that God was more than capable uh, of, of judging them or, or bringing wrath upon them, and, and most of all, more than capable of delivering them at any time. Um, and then in verses 11 through 13, God reminds them that they had to be diligent enough to follow his commands. So that was the key. Uh, God would, would take care of them. He would deliver them whenever they needed. He would provide for them. 
but they had to make sure they were keeping his commands. And then in, 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 in Joshua 23, 14 through 16, we even see how Joshua warned them of the consequences of not obeying God. So I bring all that up to say that what I'm about to talk about in Judges 1 uh, Israel knew all of this. This was not some surprise, or it shouldn't have been, to the to the Israelites. They knew what God expected of them. They even knew the consequences. So, and they knew that that God was going to. He had planned to conquer the land for them. But and they knew that that God wanted them to participate, and they knew that God expected them to drive out certain nations. Well, when we get to Judges 121 and also Judges 127 through 36, we see that the Israelites failed to obey God in that they failed to conquer the land. So we see in Judges 121, the sons of Benjamin, they did not drive out the Jebusites. Well, if you look at 1 Chronicles 11 and 4 and 5, and you don't have to turn there, but the Jebusites were still a problem all the way up into David's day. So, so, so Benjamin didn't conquer the, the Jebusites. And then in verses 27 through 36 of Judges 1, we see that more places were not conquered. We see that Manasseh didn't conquer, and, and I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing some of these words, um, but Manasseh didn't conquer Beth Shean, uh, Tanakh, Dor, Eblim, Megiddo, in verses 27 and 28. We see that Ephraim didn't conquer uh, Jezer in verse 29. We see that Zebulun didn't conquer Katron, Nahalal in verse 30. We see that Asher didn't conquer Akko and Sidon and Alav and Akzib and Helbon, Afik and Rehob in verses 31 and 32. We also see that Naphtali didn't conquer Beth and Beth Anath in verse 33. And so these inhabitants, these, these lands that they didn't conquer, these inhabitants either continued to live in the land or they ended up becoming forced labor. The Israelites decided, well, we're not going to run you out of the land, but we're going to just make you forced labor. Well, is that what God said to do? Did he say make them forced labor? Did he say run them out of the land? Well, as a result, of course, God is not pleased, according to Judges 2 and 1 through 3. God is not pleased. God is never pleased with disobedience. And in particular, we see in Judges 2, 1, that God never breaks his oath. And he, he reminds us also in Judges 2, 2, that, that Israel broke their oath to God, and ultimately they did not obey him. And then in verse 3, as a result, God turns on Israel and makes them pay for their disobedience. So, again, the Israelites did not obey God. That was the first problem. Uh, and, and you wonder, well, why didn't God want the Israelites to uh, fellowship with the Canaanites and, and, and to fellowship with these idolatrous nations? Well, Paul warned the Corinthians of the same thing. This is not just an Old Testament problem. Paul warned the Corinthians of the same thing in 2 Corinthians 6 and 14 through 18. So uh, 
God does not want us, does not want his people, doesn't mean we need to stick up our nose and be mean and, 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 and uh, angry toward people necessarily, but God does not want us fellowshipping with, with, with sinners. Um, and the point is we should be mindful who we associate ourselves with as first Corinthians 15, 33 would remind us, but not again, not that we should be mean or unkind to unbelievers, but that we should not be overly involved with them and their sinful practices. That's the big thing because the Israelites would eventually be carried off, be carried off into idolatry as well. Um, and again, if, if we if we make this application to America, the only hope for America, uh, again, people want to put all this confidence in a president or in the government. We think they're going to take care of all of our problems in America. Well, guess again, the only hope for America is if we submit to God and obey his will. Uh, God's word is not only right, but it's also for our own best interest, as it was for the Israelites. So... We must obey God at all times, not only on the convenient matters, not only when it's convenient for us, but also the unpopular things, even that we're not comfortable with. So again, the second problem with the Israelites is they did not obey, or the first problem with the Israelites is they did not obey God. The second problem, as we see in Judges 2 and 18 through 23, is they did not practice true repentance. The Israelites did not practice true repentance. You remember this constant cycle that I was talking about? Well, I'm going to explain that in a minute. We see in Judges 2 and 18 through 23, uh, beginning in verse 18, and again, you can read on, you can read these verses as I'm talking about them, um, even though I'm not going to quote them word for word. But we see in verse 18 that the Lord was always gracious and merciful enough to deliver the Israelites. He always appointed a judge to fight for them and to, and to deliver them. He always showed compassion, even, regarding their groaning and their affliction. Um, but we see a big problem in verse 19 of Judges chapter 2. They did not change their ways. They didn't change their ways. It was always up to the particular judge in power at that time to keep them straight. So, if that judge wasn't on the straight and narrow, if he didn't hold their hand, they would always pull to the left. Uh, so they didn't learn from their past sins. Even after God had already gave them some bad consequences or punished them or, or, or what have you, they didn't learn from their past sins. In fact, according to verse 19, they, they actually acted more corruptly. And they always went right back into idolatry. And, and the verse actually says, they did not abandon their practice or their stubborn ways. Now, again, does that sound like America? <laughs> again, I'm not trying to compare America to Israel, that America is God's chosen nation. I'm not trying to do that at all. Uh, today, Christians uh, is God's chosen people. And if you're not in Christ, then, then you're not chosen of God. But my point is, again, we want to sit and, and complain and wonder, well, what's wrong with America? Well, uh, a lot of people in America are not abandoning their practice or their stubborn ways. Uh, 
and again, uh, we're, we're waiting on this, this uh, a president or a person in power to, to get us straightened back out. And, and again, we're, we're, we're not practicing true repentance as a nation, uh, and neither were the Israelites. Uh, it kind of reminds you of a, of a parent-child relationship when you think about the, the particular judge and the Israelites at that time. Uh, as long as the parent is within an eye or an earshot of a child, then the child is typically going to be obedient, right? Well, as soon as the parent leaves, I know that I was this way when I was a child, they're right back into mischief. They're right back doing the same thing. And all they're really worried about or concerned about is getting caught or the consequences after they get caught. Uh, and that's the way the Israelites were. Yes, of course, they were, they were sorry uh, that they got caught. They were sorry of the consequences they found themselves in, but they didn't practice true repentance. Now, and we can make this same application to the church. We as the church can't rely on our leaders for true repentance. And I say leaders, I mean maybe elders. It may even be... Uh, the men of the congregation, if you don't have elders, maybe the, the minister, what have you. But we as the church can't rely on our leaders for, for true repentance. As long as good, sound elders are around, typically, most congregations will remain faithful. In other words, they're going to they're gonna walk the line. Uh, and sure, as long as a good, sound preacher is around that preaches against sin, that stands against sin, and most congregations are going to remain faithful. But what happens when those elders die? What happens when that preacher dies or moves away? Then what? You see, we must develop our own faith and realize that, that we serve God primarily and not our leaders. Now, leaders can be beneficial to us, of course, but we serve God. Uh, we, we're obedient because we're obedient to God, not our leaders. We're obedient to God because God has promised us eternal life, uh, forgiveness of sins. He's promised us good things, just like he promised the Israelites. And the thing about God in comparison to our leaders, well, we must realize that God is always watching. God is always watching. The judges with the Israelites, they wasn't always watching. They wasn't omnipresent. In other words, everywhere at the same time like God was. Uh, they, they, they couldn't always hold their hand in, every, in 20, 24 hours a day. And we, but we must realize that God is always watching. We must realize that there are consequences to disobeying our God. And we must realize that God will judge us individually for our actions. And, and we can't, it doesn't matter how good of a judge the Israelites had. It doesn't matter how good of leaders that uh, we have, we can't rely on the faith of our leaders or our elders or our minister or, uh, or, or our parents even. You have a lot of children uh, that, that they'll, their parents take them to church every Sunday. And, and you think, well, that, that kid's going to grow up to be a, a, a preacher or an elder or a preacher's wife or elder's wife or what have you. And, and they turn, come, it turns, turns out that that person's not even faithful to the church or in the church, not faithful to God. And, and you say, well, where, where was their faith? Well, they was relying on their parents' faith. Uh, but you see, we must track, practice true repentance. Luke says, if we don't repent, 
we will all likewise perish, Luke 13, 3 and 5. And you see, Paul even in uh, in First Corinthians or in Second Corinthians seven and nine and ten tells us the difference between true repentance and and godly repentance and worldly repentance. He says, "I now rejoice not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance." He's saying, I, I, "I'm not necessarily worried about how sorry you got or." how bad the consequences are for you or how bad you feel. He said, I'm excited that you were made sorrowful to the point that you repented. He said, for you were made sorrowful according to the will of God so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. And then he explains it in verse 10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret. In other words, if you're truly sorry uh, with godly sorrow, uh, according to the will of God, then you're going to, that, that sorrow is going to produce godly repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But he says the sorrow of the world, on the other hand, produces death. So it doesn't matter how sorry you are from a worldly standpoint. Uh, I mean, you take a person who committed murder and they end up in prison for the rest of their lives. Well, yeah, I'm sure they're sorry. I'm sure they don't like their circumstances, but did they truly repent? You take a person who's committed adultery and now they've got to remain single for the rest of their life. I'm sure they're sorry for that, but did they truly repent? Did that sorrow lead them to godly repentance? And, and that's always the question. Now, with Israel, with the Israelites, the answer was no. Yeah, they were sorry, but... The problem was they didn't practice true repentance as Judges 2 and 18 through 23 reveals to us. Now, thirdly, and this is a big one, again, even with America, when we look at Judges 17 and 6, and also it's repeated in Judges 21 and 25, the third problem with the Israelites is that they relied on their own understanding. They relied on their own understanding. Well, since there was no king in Israel, and this is repeated again in 18.1, 19.1, 21.25, there was no king in Israel. Um, they relied on their own understanding. Well, what's interesting is if they had listened to Gideon, <laughs> if they had listened to Gideon, they would have a king in Israel. Because in, in Judges 8.22, and 23, Gideon reminds them, he says, let me just read it to you. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us, both you and your son also, your son's son, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. Listen to Gideon's response. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. He says, the Lord shall rule over you. So if they had listened to Gideon, Israel would have a king at this point. There would be no such thing as, well, there's no king in Israel. We had a, they, they had a king in God. They just didn't want it. So the, king, the same king, God, that should have been ruling over them all along would have been ruling over them if they had welcomed him. So, but instead of listening to the wisdom of Gideon, they chose, and this is getting back to the point they relied on their own understanding, 
they ended up choosing and appointing a wicked king in Abimelech who ended up murdering his own people. You see, that, that, that's, that's where man's wisdom gets you. But it says in, 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 in Judges 21 and 25, the problem, the main primary problem, it says every man, in other words, everyone, did what was right in his own eyes. So that's, that's what they were focused on. That's why they didn't want God in their life. You, you bring God into your life, you, you've got authority you've got to answer to. You, you've got obedience that you have to offer. You, you've got some, some structure. You've got some, some discipline there. But they were interested in doing everything what was right in their own eyes. Uh, and, and you see, Judges 21, 25, that phrase, every man did what was right in his own eyes, that seems to perfectly summarize the whole book. It's like, okay, you read the whole book, and you're like, it's just a constant cycle of, of just chaos. And you're like, how on earth can this happen? How is this possible? Well, it's simple. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. What do you think, well, what was right in their own eyes? Idolatry. Uh, intermarriage with unbelievers, which led to more idolatry. Self-appointing a king in Abimelech instead of God. Uh, neglecting to follow God's commands and, and completely driving out the inhabitants of the lands. Instead, decided to make the people laborers. Well, you think about America. Well, what's right in America's eyes? Uh, you've got transgenderism, homosexuality, uh, adultery, uh, fornication, uh, abortion. We could go on and on. Things that are right in people's eyes that are certainly, when we think about what God thinks about it, it's wrong. But the, the interesting thing about it is the Bible provides us severe warnings against doing what is right in our own eyes. You, you think of the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 3 and 6 and 7, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, turn away from evil. Proverbs 16 and 9, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 26 and 12, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Well, there's more hope for a fool, he said. What about Jeremiah 10, 23? Man's way is not in himself, nor can a man direct his own steps. Psalm 37, 23, steps of a man are established by the Lord. And you see, this is not just an Old Testament uh, common theme. This is, this is true also in 1 Corinthians, in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but for those being saved, it is the power of God. Again, so God's wisdom is, 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 is right again. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.18 and 19, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. The wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. God catches the wise in their craftiness, he says. Now, again, many in America think they know better than God about moral matters. Again, things like abortion, things like homosexuality, adultery, transgenderism. Uh, many in America think they know better than God about ethical matters, things like lying, cheating, stealing. But the, the fact of the matter is we are not qualified 
to make our own decisions in determining right and wrong. We, we should know that. We should see that the problems we get ourselves into. We should see at the consequences of the things that we caused. And we should see and be able to, to understand that we're not qualified to make our own decisions in determining right and wrong. We can't depend on the government even to determine right and wrong. We can watch the news and, and listen to that and learn that. We had, and, and I mean, I know this, some people may not want to hear this, but we had better not even depend on our church leaders. Hopefully we can, but we had better not take that to the bank. <laughs> we had better not be dependent on our church leaders to determine right and wrong. But what we had better do is be practicing 2 Timothy 2.15, and that is to study or to, to be diligent, um, to show ourselves approved unto God and rightly handling the word of truth. That's what we had better do. We better be like the Bereans who were searching the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. But as a result of the, the peoples of, of the Israelites' constant reliance on their own understanding and their constant forsaking of God's instructions, Book of Judges just records a constant cycle that just continues to go. I mean, they in, the cycle goes something like this. They enjoy peace in the land while they serve the Lord. Well, then, shortly after that, they commit sin and then they commit idolatry. They are enslaved to foreign nations. Then after much depravity, sorrow and wickedness, they end up crying out to God, not because they're truly repenting, because they're sorry of worldly sorrow. And then they ask for a deliverer. Well, then God in return gives them a judge because he does feel sorry for them and God is a merciful God. And then the Israelites were delivered. But then that goes right back into the cycle continues. They enjoy peace in the land for a while, then before you know it, they're right back into sin and idolatry. Before you know it, they're right back enslaved to foreign nations. Then they're right back into depravity, sorrow, and wickedness. They cry out to God, ask for a deliverer, God gives them a judge. Then they're delivered again. But again, doesn't that at least somewhat remind you of America today? Uh, especially when, with regard to the sin. Uh, especially regard to all the wickedness and uh, the things that, that we are doing now that people are not even ashamed of anymore. I mean, I, I'm not like some to say that, that, that sin is necessarily getting any worse, but the way we look at sin and the way we think about sin, uh, it has certainly changed. Our attitude towards sin has changed. Just like uh, I heard someone say something like, uh, the sins that used to people would, would hide in their closets now are walking down Main Street, and, and that's so true. But if we expect to turn things around uh, in America, or maybe even in the church in particular, we must practice true repentance and completely turn and submit to God Almighty. That's the only way. And then we must obey God and his instructions and his commandments instead of man's and we must forsake our own understanding of things and submit to God's ways and be committed to God because we know again when we think about America and the road that we're going down Psalm 9 17 says that the wicked will return to shale 
even all the nations who forget God. Well, again, that was certainly Israel uh, for a time. Again, they, they, they had forgotten God. They did, uh, again, it was a constant cycle, not just through the book of Judges, but even through the, the whole Old Testament. And, and so, and again, we think about America, this country as a whole has certainly forgotten God. And we have forgotten who is in charge. And we, we, wanna, we wanna sit and complain about it, but really the only solution to America's problems is for Christians to do their, to do their part. And that's why I'm asking you and I'm asking me, uh, are we honoring the great commission that Jesus instituted? Are we truly trying to make disciples? Are we doing our part to, to, to fix America? Uh, are we doing our part to, to, to help, help God make this a better place to live? Again, God's not going to transform us into robots, and he didn't do that with the Israelites. He's not going to make us do uh, things the right way. He's not going to make us uh, obey him. He's not going to make us practice true repentance. He's not going to make us uh, rely or, or stop relying on our own understanding and, and start submitting to him. It's something that we have to decide. And again, it all starts when, when we evan do, our, do our evangelism and we make disciples and we teach people about what Jesus has done for them. And we, we teach people about how great, all the great promises that God has for us and all the spiritual blessings that are found in Christ. And, and then we teach them the gospel, not, not, not some man-made gospel, but we teach them the gospel of the New Testament. And that's what I ask each and every one of you today. Uh, if, if, if we can do that as Christians, and we, then we can make America a better place. And, and hopefully we, as Christians, are not making the same mistakes as the Israelites were in, in constantly disobeying God and constantly not repenting of our sins and, and constantly relying on our own understanding.